all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello, and welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is your host, Mike Flatman. I am a 45-year expert fire investigator, and I am honored to be a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators. And this is Donna Ingram. I have almost 30 years' experience in fire and fraud, um, and welcome to the show. Um, before we get started, I want to ask a question. Mike, where are you? Well, I'm calling in on the phone for a change because I'm working a fire in New York City and I'm in the basement of a pizzeria sitting on a plastic box asking, <laughs> asking you guys to listen to us. So um, if you hear a, a rumbling every once in a while, that's a, that's a subway train. That's not me uh, having a gastric problem. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited about today's show. We have a couple of guests with us on the line and... Um, Stuart Brosgold is one. He ha- he is a certified fire investigator through the IWI International Association of Arson Investigator. He's a license. He's licensed as a private investigator in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and now Florida, where he is recently relo- relocated just north of Tampa. He was a licensed peace officer for the state of Texas for 30 years, beginning with the city of Arlington. Texas Police Department, 15 years in the city of Arlington, Texas Fire Department, eight years, where he retired as a fire investigator. Mr. Brosgold is finishing up his career after serving with the Tarrant County Sheriff's Office Reserve Program for the past seven years. He's investigated hundreds of fires during his 18 plus years as a fire investigator in the past seven with his own company, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Mr. Brosgold's specialties include residential and commercial structures, vehicles, large loss fires, which include apartment buildings and large commercial fires. He managed a scene involving a 400,000 square foot commercial property. Uh, He also worked fire scenes involving a gas refinery, a paper mill storage facility, along with a hospital and oil field equipment. Boy, these are some big scenes. He has courtroom experience, testified in municipal, county, state, and federal court systems, and he's rendered expert opinions and given testimony regarding fire origin and cause. He holds a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and began his law enforcement career in 82. Well, thank you for joining us, Stuart. Welcome aboard. I'm surprised you have time to talk to us. Well, thank you, Donna. Hello, Mike. Um, I've got time because I'm still trying to develop contacts here in Florida. So I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show. That's fine. And the reason we ask you, of course, Stuart, is we've known you for a number of years and you've worked with uh, fire analysis and uh, and now you've signed up with our Consolidated Fire Investigation Services. And um, and and speaking of that, and, and we're going to get we're going to ask you some questions in a moment, Stuart. But we have another guest, and this is uh, Sandy Archer. And Sandy Archer is is uh, very well aware of uh, and was helped uh, found uh, Consolidated Fire Investigation Services. And uh, Sandy, say hello to the audience, please. 
Hi, this is Sandy Archer, and I work with CFIS and previously Fire Analysis. Right, and uh, and you and that time now. So you so what you do uh, other things too. Uh, you um, human relations, uh, you know things like that, right? Yes, I do HR for Fire Consulting International, and have been doing that for over four years now. And I appreciate being on the show today. We have well, some really you. busy guests, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. And you know, and and uh, Sandy, you actually deal with uh, a lot of the the they the insurance companies call them vendors. Where fire investigators are vendors, okay? So you dealt with literally hundreds of them, and and uh, you're very very well regarded by them. Uh, I know that Stuart uh, has has talked to you many times. What? Okay, so why don't we just go over just for a second? Um, what fire analysis is. We have this, in, in 2009 came the idea that we would form a vetting system, a platform, and we have the only one, this, we had the sole one, uh, now there's other people have got some, but we've got the only one that tracks and vets all of the uh, fire investigators from around the country. It's called fireanalysis.net, and in that, what happens is fire, uh, fire investigators um, register with us um, at fire analysis. They have to put up all their credentials, their E&O insurance, their, their CVs, their curriculum vitae, their experience, in, that's, in other words, their training, and all of the things that, they, that make them qualified as a fire investigator, plus they have to pass a test, um, and they, they also have to uh, submit a report they've written to make sure that it stands up to uh, NFPA and ASTM guidelines. And uh, this is quite an undertaking, and it, it takes a little while to, to vet a person. And, Stuart, you went through that process, and, and what, did you, what did you think about it? I thought the process was uh, complete in the sense that when you, when you want to vet uh, somebody for fire investigations, you, you do want to make sure that they have the proper credentials, that they have the proper knowledge base, that they have the experience uh, in order to get a, a fire scene job done for, uh, for both insurance companies and for attorneys. And I think the vetting process, not that it was difficult, but it was um, um, not time consuming, but it was, it was lengthy, but for, for good reason. Um, the you know, the people that contact fire analysis or the people that, you know, people that are looking for uh, qualified fire investigators need to know that, uh, you know, they're getting their money's worth and they're, and they're getting what they're, uh, you know, what they're, what they're uh, contracting for. Somebody that, that's, you know, been in the business, that's, that knows what's going on, not, you know, not somebody that's just a, a, a fly-by-night. And I think a lot of Investigators nowadays are are seeing that, and they're getting their credentials in order, uh, just like fire analysis was uh, able to assist me and make sure I had all of mine in order, in order to, um, you know, support or in order to work with the different uh, groups that called into you folks. Right, and I'll tell you what, and we appreciated you too, because um, then as an outgrowth of, of farming that system, then we also got contracts with insurance companies, and they would call us up and say they need somebody in, well, now you're in Florida. So they need somebody in Tampa, 
uh, we can call you up, uh, and and uh, if you're available, we can dispatch the um, dispatch that particular fire to you, and then uh, and you can handle it, and then go through um, to the company, uh, and then um, as a part of that service, we also that. Um, did uh, peer reviews of reports, and that's purely up to the insurance company as to whether they wanted the reports peer reviewed. But I know you had yours peer reviewed, and that you passed with flying colors. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I really appreciate your being here because if if people can hear from somebody that's actually in the field and and operating, and 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 seeing that. Uh, that, that it works for you and, and that uh, we recommend doing that with all fire investigators because there are some, as you said, uh, there's some that, that come out of the fire department or police service and they just uh, hang up their shingle and, uh, and they really haven't the qualifications or they're hired by a, a company, um, even some of the national companies who believe they have the credentials and then find out they don't. Um, you had the IAAI CFI. And that's what fire analysis required, and that's what CFIS also wants to have. Um, was it difficult to get the IAAI CFI, Stuart? Uh, again, more time-consuming than difficult. Um, there's there's different uh, criteria that that once you once you uh, apply for the CFI certified fire investigation certified fire investigator through the. International Association of Arson Investigators. It's a series of uh, um, education, experience, testing, and um, uh, different uh, uh, continuing education uh, modules in order to uh, gain the points that are needed in order to apply for the CFI uh, certification. <clears throat> Once you apply for that CFI certification, doesn't mean that you automatically get it. Um, you send in your application process, and then the then the people that review the application still have uh, the ability to either say yes or no, or they they may need some further uh, information from you. Um, it was probably I'm thinking almost a year uh, from the time that I. Uh, wanted to apply for the certified fire investigation status uh, for me to make sure that I had all of my paperwork and all of my experience and all of my uh, classwork lined up uh, before I could apply to uh, take the test in order to become the CFI. Once once you make application, that you don't automatically get it. You have to take that uh, the test that the uh, uh, Certification Certified Fire Investigation Program uh, VACS, and I was able to uh, successfully pass that test back in 2005, and I have since, um, uh, you know, continued on with my uh, recertification process a, a couple of times now. Um, the, re- the recertification processes are, you know, are easier than the than the initial application process by far, but you still have to. Um, Maintain continuate, continuing education hours, along with um, your your you know background and experience, in order to re up your CFI credentials. Right, Stuart, and that and that, uh, that comprehensive test is is uh, is is not easy. Thirty five percent of the people that take it 
are failing it, I'm understanding. Uh, and, but uh, they can take it again the second time or third time, and they'll pass. A, a, and this, this is a difficult test. So I appreciate your, your explaining the, the process because you can't even take the test until you have at least five years of experience. And, uh, and so these are our experts. And Donna, you wanted to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was listening to him, and I was wondering, Stuart, how did you become interested in fire investigations? Uh, back when I started my law enforcement career, um, I started in 1982 with the city of Arlington, Texas. Uh, then in uh, like mid-1983, I was able to get involved with the crime scene search unit of the police department, um, which really piqued my interest. I was in the, I was a crime scene investigator for six and a half years until the uh, police department decided to take the police officers out of the crime scene unit and bring in civilian evidence technicians, which wasn't a bad thing. You don't you don't need a badge and a gun to dust for fingerprints, but it was something that all of us as police officers enjoy doing. And I and I, uh, you know, would have been I probably would have been a career crime scene investigator. So after coming back out of crime scene in uh, 1990, I worked on patrol. I worked in detectives. I was a member of the uh, uh, the SWAT team, the tactical team. And then in 1997, I had uh, spoken with the assistant fire marshal for the city of Arlington Fire Department, who at the time I had uh, worked uh, a couple of different fatality fire scenes with them. And he remembered me and wanted to know if I would be interested in coming over to the fire department. So that's how I got, that's how I got into, the, into the fire service was as a uh, investigator inspector. So when I went in in 1997, I didn't have to ride the big red trucks. Um, uh, so I was not I was never part of operations in, with the city of Arlington. In some jurisdictions, in order to get into the fire marshal's office, you first work on the line. You work as a firefighter, then an engineer, then uh, as you promote to lieutenant, you have an option of going to a station or going into the fire marshal's office. Uh, the city of Arlington uh, did not operate that way. You just you could come in off the street and get your inspector training, uh, but you did not have to go through operations. So that's how I got involved with the with the fire service, and mm-hmm. uh, more or less, it, it brought me back into a realm of crime scene search, if you will. Um, learning to uh, go through fire scenes, learning to read fire scenes, read fire patterns trying to discern uh, you know what the what the melted blob was before it was a melted blob um, right. learning how fire progresses based on the various fuels and and uh, ventilation patterns and so forth so it's still it's still a learning process for me because every fire scene is different obviously but well, uh, that- that's what the interest was for me and it's funny that uh, there's a myth out there, and of course we're talking to everybody internationally that uh, oh, fire, everything burns up and, and turns to ash, and how could you possibly uh, figure anything out when in reality it's one of the uh, I don't know that I want to say easier, but it's one of of the types of scenes that that you can interpret and and the evidence is left there more so than not. Yes, the fire actually creates uh, evidence 
as well as uh, destroying it. Um, you're absolutely right, Donna. It burns itself into the sea. And, right. <laughs> uh, and, and Stuart, you're down in what's, uh, well, you've opened up your new shop. Where is it? And, and, uh, what's the name of it? And what if, what if somebody wanted to get in touch with you? What do, what do they do? Well, I'm, I'm st- I still have to update my website, but, uh, it's just my, I'm a, I'm a self-employed, uh, fire investigator. And the name of, name of my company is SM Brosgold Fire Investigations. Uh, I originated the company in uh, in 2005 in Texas after I retired from the city of Arlington. And uh, after going one year and only working eight total fire scenes, I decided to uh, go to work for one of the larger uh, companies. Um, mm-hmm. So I was at I was at one of the I was at the larger company for about four years. Um, after that, we, we had a mutual parting of the ways. Uh, and then in January, so in uh, June of 2010, I resurrected my business plan again. And I started with my fire investigation business back up uh, January 2011. Uh, started with, uh, with my investigations in Texas. And then I had clients that asked if I was licensed in other states, which prompted me to get my Louisiana license. Uh, which then prompted me to get my Arkansas license, and now here I am in 2017, and I'm in I'm in a little town called Lacanto, Florida, which is about an hour and a half north of Tampa. I'm just outside of both the Tampa uh, metro area and the Orlando metro area, about an hour twenty from each. Um, it's an area that my wife and I we purchased a home in 2015 with the pretense of of uh, retiring to Florida, which. Um, my parents are still uh, they're, they're still uh, with us, and they're living on the east coast of Florida. And I've got some other family members that are that have relocated to Florida. And it was a, just a matter of I was tired of cold. I originally grew up in <laughs> outside of Detroit, Michigan. Um, got my bachelor's bachelor's degree in criminal justice from Eastern Michigan University, just about an hour. I mean, sorry, about thirty minutes west of Ann Arbor, east of Ann Arbor. I went to Texas because I thought it was uh, warmer. Well, it's it's warmer for most of the part, but we still get some freezing weather December through uh, February. And uh, at least here in Florida, I think the cold will be at nighttime when I'm sleeping. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I won't. I don't think I'll have to deal with the snow and ice on the on, on this west coast of Florida. So I relocated uh, after I lost a uh, uh, lost one major insurance client about a year and a half ago. Um, and then I lost my second major insurance client this May 1st, uh, the insurance uh, company, um, like, like some of the bigger companies, uh, you know, felt that they, uh, going with major, um, you know, national companies that had fire investigators and engineers and so forth under their belt was a better move for them. And, you know, business is business. I know the guys in the in the in the major, you know, the national retailers, and they're they're great fire investigators. I like working with them. Um, I just chose not to go that route, and I felt that I could still offer the same type of services as as the major corporations, um, uh, just on on my own, just like I did in Texas. I've got a, I had a background in Texas to where I had engineers at my disposal if I needed them, uh, both mechanical, electrical, and automotive. Um, I had other experts at my disposal. I just needed to make a phone call, and I had them there. So they weren't under my roof, but I had them. 
Um, I still have them if they, because most of the guys that I worked with in Texas are still are licensed in various other states. Um, so now it's time for me to develop my, my clientele here in Florida. Um, I've already got some feelers out to different adjusting firms and different attorneys and uh, just have to crack that nut, get that first uh, fire scene out of the way and let people see what I do and how I can help them out. I'm glad that you brought that up um, about the the companies moving with the national companies. That's part of our show today. Uh, and the reason that we have Sandy here is because CFIS, Consolidated Fire Investigation Services, is in response to and was formed directly as a result of this national movement. That's right. That's right. It was, it was. Yes. Go ahead, Sandy. Go ahead. Um, it was. It was formed in February with uh, vetted expert fire investigators because of that business trend of changing to the national uh, companies, and uh, we have an affiliation with fire investigators across the country, all fifty states, including Washington D.C. So we're able to also send the most expert vetted uh, fire investigator uh, to the closest available scene uh, for the loss. And so that's, we saw that it was going in that direction and we know many smaller companies and we kind of all came together to provide that national coverage. Right, 200, about 200 investigators uh, approximately uh, in all 50 states, as she said, uh, both Alaska and Hawaii also, and it's an alliance of, of these, these uh, other companies together that, are, that weren't individually national. Now they are national. They're national through FCIS, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, there you go again, CFIS. <laughs> I do that all the time because my company is called FCII. I just, I'm, 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 maybe I'm getting senile. But anyway, but here's the deal. Um, we, this, these 200 investigators are very good. They're vetted. We've read their reports. We know what they're doing. And uh, so that's why we formed CFIS. I said it right that time. Okay. We're coming up to a break, are we not? Uh, we can if you if you'd like to break here a couple minutes. Okay. Well, let's do let's do the break now, and and when we come back, Stuart, please stick around if you can. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh, CFIS because you're part of that too, aren't you? Yes, I am. And I thank you. So okay. So when you come back, come back to speaking of fire. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. 
We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact FireAnalysis.net. That's FireAnalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Before the break, uh, we were talking about Consolidated Fire Investigation Services being an alliance of over 200 investigators in response to the national move, national company movement by insurance companies. And Sandy Archer is here with CFIS. And Sandy, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about that. Okay. All right. Um what I didn't mention previously was that we're providing one place for the assignment, for the reporting and the invoicing, just like the national companies, um, but we're still an alliance of individual uh, smaller companies uh, across the, the country. So they, they still get to operate that they, the way that they did, except for they go through us uh, for the assignment process, reporting and invoicing. So as far as, as vetting goes, they've already been vetted by you? Yes. We're, we're using a similar platform to fire analysis. Uh, they still have to upload all the same documents um, that we, we asked for if you were a fire analysis fire investigator. So they still have to upload all of that information. We still have to go through the same process of interviewing, uh, making sure the reports are are technically reviewed, so um, it's it's so you, the, a similar process. Mm-hmm. So you can ensure that their credentials are up, their certifications, their insurance, things like that. Yes, yes, that that's that's what we do. That's that's why we feel like it's so important to have uh, all of those pieces. Uh, to say that this person is absolutely the expert for your fire um, and that they are the absolute uh, expert for that type of fire. We also have that for their CVs. We've asked them to tell us what their specialties are. Like, Stuart, you mentioned something as being your specialty, right? 
Right, as far as the residential and commercial structures. For, for example, I don't do, I'm in Florida now, so I, I have not done any marine vessel fires. Uh, that's something that I'm going to have to look into, being that I'm surrounded by water now. Uh, that's going to, uh, that'll be another avenue for me to uh, uh, market my services also. Okay. Right, and the, and the CVs, as, as Sandy pointed out, the CVs are important because the curriculum vitae tells, um, tells the um, carrier and also is very important in, in, um, in litigation to make sure that you're not sending somebody that's a uh, vehicle fire person to a, a major commercial loss or vice versa. Um, you know, there are specialties. That and the CV also <clears throat> being important in that now the, the trend is 921, NFPA 921, which uh, all people in this industry should be and are aware of, uh, requires tracking of the training hours. And this curriculum vitae is a good place to record that, correct? Yeah, so absolutely. And on top of that, uh, 1033 and FDA 1033, the standard for professional fire uh, investigators, um, has 16 separate areas. And 1.3.7 has 16 separate areas that fire investigators must stay current in. So when we send uh, out a, an expert fire investigator, we're sending out someone that has done their research has, has, and, and has been qualified, and therefore, um, and we also send the, the person that's closest. Uh, so, I mean, people are saving money when they, send, when they don't uh, call, call in somebody that's 300 miles away. Now, if you're on a specialty, uh, you have a specialty that's very, very important, like I'm sitting in, in New York right now because I, commercial kitchen fires uh, is one of my specialties. And so, and I was in Tallahassee uh, two weeks ago uh, on another matter, and uh, and I'm going to go to North North Carolina. So they will send you all over the country, and IAAI has this certification uh, that is recognized all over the world. Um, Peter Mancy in in, um, in England, uh, his group, uh, Fire Investigations UK. Uh, South uh, South uh, Africa, uh, New Zealand, Australia, all um, and not only English-speaking countries. And we have um, there's there's chapters in Bulgaria and Georgia, um, not the Georgia down south, but a different Georgia, and uh, Poland and and and, and Israel. Um, we have wonderful people uh, investigators in Israel. Uh, so. All I'm trying to tell you is, is this certification is very important, but these, this vetting is even more important that everybody's staying current. And, uh, and Sandy, you, you are not only, uh, I mean, I know you, you track all of that, but this is an automatic tracking thing that these insurance companies used to, they couldn't keep up with everybody's uh, um, licensing uh, because they expire at different times, right? Right, and the the platform that we use automatically tracks that if if something is expired, and we'll go ahead and send out an email to that investigator, so that keeps everybody on track. Um, it's it's a great platform to have. I think it's it is probably one of the only ones out there, and uh, it's been really easy to use as an administrator. 
Um, and it and it helps, you know, to network with the fire investigators as well. And I don't have to call them and bug them too often, right, Stuart? No, no, not often. <laughs> well, you know really what? Well, what's really that. good about yeah, Sandy and Jessica and and, and some of the people that work uh, for fire analysis and, and fire um, CFIS now. Um, we, well, they're both still in effect, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. They're still both up. Um, the CFIS has been the outgrowth, and and so now what we do is we take this alliance, and we, even though we're, I mean, they're, the individual isn't national, we now have a national company, so we can go to these carriers and say, hey, um, you wanted a national company? We've got it for you. And we can negotiate a, a contract, and you've got one place to call and one place to get your invoicing from and one place that the reports come out of. And they're still writing you. You guys would still be writing your same reports, right, Stuart? And you just send it to us for, for a cover page and, and transmission, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then the, uh, then the, the good thing you talked about, the, the peer review, the technical review, that's come in handy. That always comes in handy every time I write a report. Um, sometimes I find myself, I have all the information in my head, but I forget to put it on paper. Um, and so when I have my reports reviewed, somebody will say, um, you need to expound a little bit more on, your, on, on the information here. So it helps me uh, become a better, um, uh, I guess, writer, if you will, but to, just to make sure that my documentation is thorough um, to where the the reader uh, you know can, can you know completely understand my report, and it's not just a, a bunch of terms that only investigators will know. And I want to say something here, uh, and I want if if we have insurance professionals listening, I want to I want to use an example uh, for understanding between a national company and this uh, alliance. The two largest carriers in the United States, one has captive agents, and those agents work directly for that corporation. The second largest carrier has independent agents, so they're contracted with that carrier, but they actually own their own businesses. It's no different here. What we're looking at is you have you know, captive employees, and then you have uh, independent contractors. Well, when you hear independent contractor, that's a negative connotation. The thing is, because of our system, because of, of the way fire analysis is in CFIS, the way it's structured, just like the second carrier I mentioned that contracts out with their agents, there are guidelines and procedures and things they have to follow. That's what CFIS and fire analysis do. They set those guidelines, and you either meet those guidelines or you don't get contracted. Right. right. And, and you know what? That's a great point because, um, you know, these major carriers have been using these same people all the time, and, and, uh, and then suddenly they decide that they're going to go to captive employees for a major firm. Well, in a lot of cases, we've had feedback that came back to us that their their general adjusters and and regular um, inside adjusters don't like that because now they're working with people that they don't know, and uh, and not only that, but they're substandard. Uh, they're getting some substandard work. Uh, it's really too bad that they decide to do that, but uh, you know it is their money, and they can they can do whatever they they wish with it. But we're going to stay. 
um, all the all of us independent uh, people are going to stay in business, and we're going to we've got our own reputations. We have our own regular clients, and uh, it's just too bad when the when the field narrows, and it and when when it narrows, it goes to um, some less qualified folk, and that that really that really kind of bothers me. As my entire career has been um, about training, uh, that's what the IAAI does. That's that's what training is. Uh, we we uh, set the standard for training throughout the world. It's and and there you are. So. Can I can I add something? Um, what I've heard is detrimental is that when you're taking uh, fire investigators and flying them from another region or another area, they're not as familiar with the local fire departments, uh, the fire marshals, etc. Having that network. Uh, connection does help in your investigation process. So that's just me being an outsider and what I've heard is feedback. And it's absolutely true. It's only on the major kind of stuff where, well, like the one I'm here at today, we have over 25 uh, investigators plus engineers and, uh, and, uh, and I've worked with as many as 44 investigators and, and uh, you know, at, at one scene. It's then... You know, in a major multimillion-dollar loss, you're going to bring in specialists from all over the country, and the and the local fire people who cooperate. Um, but mostly, you're absolutely right, Sandy. What mostly happens is the local guys know the local guys. They they have information. They change information. They're friends. They they um, they uh, they're they're good. You know who in that area. You know who is. Uh, who is more apt to, to, to get it wrong than right, um, or you get to, to know who, uh, who actually knows what they're doing. And by using 1033 uh, to weed out the, the people that are less qualified, uh, the better it is. Now, Stuart, you've been through all kinds of this uh, of, of uh, vetting before, and so and you've said how important it is to you. Now, you go to scenes, as I do all the time. Do you run across... Uh, uh, newer investigators that could could use a little bit of uh, seasoning. Let's put it like that. Oh sure, I, I remember when I first started out. Um, you know, my, my first few fire scenes, I was walking in and just looking at, you know, black and gray. I had no clue what I was looking at, and and over and over time, and over years, and through experience and through training, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to. Uh, you know, make heads and tails of, of different scenes that I'm looking at. Um, so everybody's got to start somewhere. There's no question about that. And it's just, you just right. have to, you know, keep on working at it um, you know, to, uh, to develop, your, develop your skills, hone in your skills, and, uh, and work your scenes. And Stuart, you're, you're familiar with what we uh, can refer to as clusters, where you have these large scenes, obviously. Uh, that I wanted to ask you earlier, what is your most memorable fire scene? The one, the one that was most memorable was one that I did, and uh, it's, it, I know I, it's closed out now, um, but I still don't know if I can actually mention the names of it, so I'll just say that it was a large... Uh, warehouse and um, the funny thing is is that morning uh, the the fire originated uh, uh, early in the evening 
uh, around 7.30ish is when the first call went out. Well, the next morning, the building had already collapsed, and you could see the smoke across the entire Metroplex because I was in the Arlington area, so the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The smoke mm-hmm. was, was going across the sky on the news, everything. Uh, all, the, all the news channels were covering it. So I was on the fire scene with two other guys. We were doing a, uh, just a small apartment fire scene, uh, three investigators, and we were all wondering who was going to get that call, and I figured all the big boys would be getting the call. Well, later that afternoon, I get a call from the adjuster, and I'm thinking that in this warehouse, there were seven business entities in the warehouse. I'm thinking he's going to want me to you know, work for one of the business entities. And he said, no, no. He said, we have the building. I need you to work for the building. So that was an eye-opener for me to where I uh, uh, learned, um, you know, again, first firsthand not working a large scene like that, but I had the cooperation of other investigators that I've worked with. I had cooperation from the local jurisdiction. And at that time, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, was also investigating that, and I had connections with those guys. So that one, we had probably eight to ten groups between uh, investigators, engineers, and, and, and attorneys representing all the different entities in that one. So that's been where, Mike, you, you, know, you said you're up there now with, what, about 25 different folks. That's been my biggest right. to date. Um, and it was an interesting Interesting, uh, uh, you know, fire scene investigation. I don't think, uh, I don't think I, I offended anybody. Uh, certainly, I know I didn't make anybody mad, but you can't help when you have those many, pe- you know, that many people. Um, you try to follow your your methodology as nine twenty one has, and everybody's mm-hmm. on that same page. So you just have to make sure that everybody. Um, is up with doing what you know how you want to work the scene and and uh, and, and make sure everybody's everybody's there so that was an interesting one for me um, that almost went to court we had uh, I finished out that one with about a six and a half hour deposition that's again my longest deposition to date now um, and um, so that was that was a, a good scene for me a, a big learning uh, experience for me so now on some of these other larger ones that I've worked I've got that background to where I've written protocols and I've talked with attorneys and worked with attorneys and and, uh, and, and I'm able to manage a large scene uh, much more easily than when I first got that assignment yeah well it does come it comes with the experience and and, and you do uh, you know and we learn from each other. Uh, I remember the first large ones I've had, but um, you only had the six and a half hour one. Heck, I, the worst one I ever had was three full eight hour days, and uh, as a depositions. Um, and at the end of the second day, the opposing attorney said to me, "Slapman, if you just say what I want you to say, we won't have to come back." <laughs> and I said, "Never happened." So we it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't work that way. You, 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 you tell the truth all the time. And even though know, they tried to ask you the same question 400 different ways, you always tell the right. truth. So. And that's, and the, well, the truth is, the, well, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, my hero, it said, nobody's good, got a good enough memory to be a successful liar. So... Uh, I won't. I don't lie because uh, you can't, just can't do that, and they never lie under oath. And I and I teach that expert witness testimony course to the IAAI, and uh, and so uh, that's why I always tell all my students, um, Sandy, you um, the the people that you work with. Now you have a good rapport with them. Um, uh, do you uh, have you ever had any uh, 
uh, complaints of that, uh, like the the adjuster call in and complain about any of the investigators or anything? Not really. Um, I've actually had more call to request uh, particular ones, um, which Stuart was one of them. <laughs> Not to toot his horn or anything, but he was one that in his area um, they would request sometimes uh, somebody in particular that they've worked with uh, extensively. So I, I really did get a lot of good feedback from most of the adjusters that we had worked with um, for our investigators. Um, it, it was rarely, you know, it, anything to do with performance if they were uh, not happy with something, but usually, you know, that would always be a, a dollar sign kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Some some people believe that. Uh, well, you know, you get what you pay for, and um, and if you have professionals, and we are professionals and experts, uh, you have to pay the an expert uh, uh, cost. Um, one of the reasons CFIS was formed is a lot of the companies want reduced rates, and and they want reduced rates for fire scenes. Well, we've gotten them where we can get. You know some breaks on engineering and breaks on on uh, on uh, on sample analysis, um, and and maybe even uh, having a, uh, a fire investigator that will go for the first day at a certain rate, but they're not going to go for nothing. And what happens when you hire um, somebody on a flat rate? Generally, uh, you're going to get exactly what you pay for. So if you're going to uh, get them a, a minimum amount, and what happens is you're going to get um, a minimum investigation. It's like a, a drive-by investigation, you know, um, and uh, we won't do that. We won't allow that to happen. So that's. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, CFIS is the same way with our analysis. Uh, we, um, um, okay, then we're going to have to uh, just keep up the standard. Anyway, so... Um, you know, I'm going to have to sign off here. There, the pizzeria is going to be closing with uh, with me in the basement, and I'm not I'm not going to be in the basement. So, uh, Stuart, thank you for, for being there. Donna, you're going to have to end the show. Um, thank you, Sandy, for showing up. I appreciate it. They just gave me the out of here or live here, so I'm going. All right. Tell Aaron I said hi. Thank you can you. learn how to Bye-bye. make good pizza, Dad. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I you can. See you later. Bye. Bye. But well, so that I, was I mean, I still have some time with everybody. So. Oh, that's great, and 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 I wanted to. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for coming on. We've got about nine minutes left, um, and I. This is. Uh, I wanted to reiterate, and he just did also, about fire analysis and consolidated fire investigation services, that the philosophy behind all of it is based on education using uh, experienced investigators, seasoned investigators that have been to these large scenes like yourself, Stuart, and that understand uh, all aspects of fire investigation um, on the, uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about the public versus the private side, Stuart. What what is what are some things you would want to tell a a young fire investigator? Uh, it, I mean, at this point, there there used to be the persona that that uh, the, that both sides were different, 
you know, that the public investigators, all they were looking for was arson because that's what they were, that's what their task was. They were, they're arson investigators and that's what they call themselves. Well, the reason that they, in my mind, the reason they call themselves arson investigators is because when people hear the word arson, they think of a criminal offense and most of the public investigators are sworn peace officers in their, in their respective jurisdictions. <clears throat> whether they're whether they work for the fire department or whether they work for the police department, when you hear that connotation, uh, you know people think of police officers. Now on the on the um, private side, um, if somebody were to hear the term arson investigators, then they would think that that's all that we would look for is just arson, which isn't the case with the International Association of Arson Investigators because with with that group you have both the um, you know, the public and, and private investigators. The key, the key with that I would tell the, the public guys is that, um, you know, when you're, when you're out there, you're going to do the same job that I'm going to do, except I may do it a little bit more in depth in regards to a potential accidental situation. If it's a, if it's a, a product malfunction or a workmanship issue, uh, in, in regards to that, um, on the public side, you know, when they have an accidental fire, a lot of times they, they aren't allowed to follow it through to the end because if it's not mm-hmm. a criminal situation, the public guys have got so much work to do that they've got to move on to the next one. And so they've been pretty good. All the guys that I've you know worked with in the, in the past have been pretty good about just leaving the scene alone, knowing that private fire investigators are, are going to come on board. And, and the, uh, the interesting thing with uh, IAAI, I'm getting ready to join the Florida chapter here. Um, they have a training seminar coming up. But when you, when, when in any of these training seminars, whether it's IAAI sponsored or any of the other you know, fire groups, you'll have both public and private fire investigators networking together to realize what's going on and, and to understand the, the, the jobs that, 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 that everyone does. And more so nowadays is the, the training is, is not geared toward public or not geared toward private, but geared toward the fire investigator itself, you know, that, that, that person, that he or she person themselves to where everybody, the public and the private guys are on the same page doing the same type of investigation, looking for the same, uh, you know, you know, doing the same root analysis, the same methodologies and so forth. Um, and uh, sometimes you'll get uh, an overzealous you know, public investigator, and I'll say I was one of those where where there's been more than one occasion that I would collect evidence on the scene, thinking that it would run away if I didn't if I didn't take it, uh, you know, for the private guys. And then after the fact, you know, the private guys would come in and, and they'd say, "Well, where is this? Well, I have it here in my custody. Who wants it?" And they would thank me for retaining something as opposed to leaving it there. They weren't they weren't happy that I that I took it off scene, but maintaining my chain of custody and maintaining photographs and documentation. Uh, it's it's not it's not anything that the evidence was spoiled by 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 me taking it. Um, obviously, I'd like to see you know uh, on the private side. If the public guys don't have to collect anything as evidence, you know, leave it on scene. But I understand that there are times that they will, and then they usually release it to the private guys once they come on board. So um, I think the rapport between the public and the private side has gotten much much better over the over the years that I've been doing it. Now I've been in. Been doing fires, like I say, 18 years, um, eight on the uh, public side, and then uh, uh, you know, 10 on the private side now. And absolutely, that is true. I I began my career in 1988, and it is a night and day. And thank you to 921 and 1033 for bringing that together. Now, 
Those are those 1033, obviously, being a standard and for professional qualification, 921 being a guide. However, (laughs) it's a good guide. Uh, There's no reason to not follow it. And it always surprises me, even after almost 30 years, to stumble across uh, a, sex, uh, a person that doesn't know what 921 is or, or this or that. And I am, I am good at handing one out for free. <laughs> and they're not cheap. But just to enhance and upgrade the careers because we need anyone that's a fire investigator, they need to be a professional or, or, or they need to be doing something else because this, this is a, a niche. It's specialized what you were addressing earlier, whether it be arson, subrogation, evidence spoliation, those are the three things that you just talked about. These are all things that need to be known, and only the people that know it and do it properly need to be doing this. And Sandy, you that's part of your vetting process, and we only have a couple minutes left. Yes, it's... Um when I first got into this field about four years ago, I did not know much about fire uh, and fire investigation. And I have to say, I've I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from the fire investigators that are are vetted on our list. And I have to say that they are such uh, professionals, um, and they're willing to share. They're willing to share what they've learned. And I I think that's such an asset to any career path um and you know it makes me want to go back and want to become a fire investigator myself if i <laughs> if i would have seriously right. it, it, it's it's such right. an interesting field it's such a neat uh profession and it's made me very interested in it and i can tell um just being a lay person um i can tell the difference between the investigators and their knowledge base, even just me dealing with them and just assigning and vetting. So, um, thank it's, you. It's, it's really, it's really a neat field, and I know that that's great. After talking to several different people, even even some new ones, all the certifications, what an enhancement all of these trainings are. So it's a really And thank you for saying that. We've only got a couple of seconds. I'm sorry to cut you off. I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. And next week, be sure to join us. Yes. Uh, Join us next week for propane explosions with Lua Kersel, who is a uh, very well-versed attorney and has defended many, many cases uh, within the insurance industry. And both of you uh, really appreciate your time today and your points of view. And join us next week at Speaking of Fire. Great. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.